The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show. On Relevant Radio. And so as we face this crisis, as we are clear-eyed about the harm, let us also understand who is responsible. Shall we? The former president handpicked three Supreme Court justices because he intended for them to overturn Roe. He intended for them to take your freedom. It's the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. That's right, Madam Vice President. You got a lot right, but you got some wrong there. Yeah, the three Supreme Court justices who recognized, as Ruth Bader Ginsburg did as well, that Roe v. Wade was just bad law, right? That's that's the truth. It was just bad law. These people are well-formed, too, so apparently they can think pretty clearly. They recognized abortion is an intrinsic evil. It's a grave evil. It's a horrible scourge on this great land of ours. And yeah, Roe v. Wade was overturned with the Dobbs decision. Um, you know, what you got wrong was that you're taking away someone's freedom. No, you're not. You're restoring life to someone who has no freedom is, is what you're doing. You're giving freedom to that child in the womb. A uh, lot of other choices uh, for the mother. And, uh, you know, murder is not one of those. Murder is just not one of those. You know, Kamala Harris, she went on to say, um, well, Listen to this. This is really what a guilty conscience does. It removes and it edits out things that are inconvenient. It causes friction with the psyche, right? Listen to what the vice president says here. America is a promise. It is a promise of freedom and liberty. Not for some, but for all. A promise we made in the Declaration of Independence that we are each endowed with the right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Did I miss something? Did I not hear something? Did the audio drop out? Did she forget the beginning of that where the term is life? She didn't forget anything. Liberty and the pursuit of happiness. I only heard liberty and the pursuit of happiness. She left it out. <laughs> she must disagree with our founding fathers. Hey, good afternoon. I'm Drew Mariani. It's good to be with you today. This audio, boy, it gets my Italian blood boiling. It really, it's crazy, isn't it, what you're hearing here? You know, the bishops of, of Maryland have just come out um, railing against an assisted suicide bill that they consider, it's being considered right now by Mer the Maryland state legislature. And um, we're, we're in a battle and I hope, I, I really encourage you, my friends, not to grow despondent, not to grow weary, not to feel overwhelmed by this. Good always conquers evil. Light always vanquishes the darkness. You and I are, are on the winning side. But as we see, you know, the leadership in this country, and we see the legislators of this country move to uh, move away from God, you know, move towards evil. And, and we've got to do our part. What do you do? You got to be active, right? educationally, politically, a whole litany of other things in terms of activism. You got to pray every day. I start, right? We have the same conversation every day together. If you listen to me, say a Hail Mary right now, 
One Hail Mary. When you hear things like this, just the, even the smallest prayer, Jesus, I trust in you. I know you're going to work this out. Jesus, have mercy. Makes a huge difference. The Archbishop uh, William Laurie of Baltimore, and all along with Cardinal uh, Wilton Gregory of Washington, D.C., and Bishop, uh, the Bishop of uh, Wilmington, Delaware, uh, they all pointed out the obvious. I want to share one quick sentence I was reading earlier today about what's happening with assisted suicide. We have murder in the womb, and now we've got it at the end of life, right? You and I happen to be in between that, right? Thank God. Uh, thank God, right? It, this is what they said. They said, at a time when our nation is grappling with how to address a frighteningly high suicide rate, it is deeply illogical for the state of Maryland to seek ways to facilitate suicide for those with terminal illness, all the while claiming such preventable and unnecessary deaths are somehow dignified. It's the deception of the evil one. This is how Satan works. He takes something that is intrinsically evil and he makes it look good, right? He makes it look like, oh, no, there's dignity in this death. You wouldn't want that. Yesterday afternoon, in my last hour of my broadcast, if you didn't get a chance to listen to me, I spoke to a man who was from Canada, and he ended up on the streets. He ended up homeless, and his situation got so dark and so bad that he was going to go ahead and ultimately, um, well, he went to the state to, to euthanize him. Yeah, they have what they call medical-assisted death there, these, these very sanitary words. Um, but thank God somebody intervened. The man today wrote a book about his encounters, right, from homeless to hopeful. He's got, he's got lots of hope, and he realized what a tragic mistake that would make, that, that would be. Minnesota and New York, they're considering similar bills right now. Bishop Robert Barron from Winona, Rochester in Minnesota, you know him, one of the most eloquent bishops I've, I've heard preach. Um, he says this. He says, quote, to oppose this legislation in any way you can, he says, call your representative or your senator, write to your governor, talk to your friends and neighbors, circulate a position, a petition, and to those in other parts of the country. I know a lot of people do not live in Maryland right now, right? He says, I urge your vigilance. If this, legisl if this legislation hasn't come to your state yet, it will soon. So if you stand for the culture of life, fight it. Fight it. And I could not agree with him more uh, do whatever you can. You know, call your own legislator, even if it's not happening in your state, and say, hey, what's going on in Maryland? This is not going to happen in our part of the world, is it? You know, write letters, send emails, and above all, pray. Uh, abortion, of course, is going to play a huge role in the upcoming elections. You heard the vice president there talk about how everyone has a right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness. She forgot very, <laughs> I think, the most important part of that statement, life, right? Everybody has a right to life. They don't like that. They don't like that at all. So apparently the Democratic Party has coalesced around that message. And I get emails from people. I was talking to my my colleague here, Cyrus. He uh, produces for Patrick Madrid's show a little bit earlier. And he was saying how, you know, Patrick will get these emails that come in. And, you know, people say, you say this or you do. I get them, too. I get them all the time. Right? Because people don't like I, my position when it comes to, let's say, the border. Right. And, and in fact, I got a, a, a email the other day from from a lady who was, why are you talking about this stuff? I should you should be talking about the faith. Well, if you would have listened, if you listened to the show, you would have seen that we dealt with the moral issues of migration, of how to treat the human person. We talk dignity. We talk to sovereign right. Right. To to one's, you know, a nation's sovereign right to protect its borders. We dealt with a lot of those particular moral issues. I've got people who, you know, who are you know, steeped in their political views 
and don't like me highlighting the truth of where this particular party is and how they coalesce around a message that promotes death. And I'm going to tell you how it is. I'm going to be honest with you. I hope that's why you tune into me. I'm not going to pull punches. I'm not going to say, oh, I hope you know they, they don't get upset and not listen anymore because no, I'm not going to water down the message. I'm going to speak truth to you. That's what I'm here to do, and I hope that's why you listen. I hope if you agree with me, you'll tell other people to listen. I hope you'll build our spiritual family here. You know, I, I this is the preeminent issue of our day. There was a uh, there was a, an analysis done by a, a woman named Joan Frawley Desmond at the National Catholic Register, and she was looking at the issue of of life. And I'll tell you what, the Republican Party. I, I'm talking about the Democrat, but I'm going to talk about the Republican Party too. They're in disarray over this issue too, and they better get it right. We need a party and a candidate that will get this issue right. Senator Marco Rubio sent out a letter late last year trying to rally the troops around, you know, the pro-life flag. There's been little to no response. Why? Because they're fearful they're going to lose their position. They're not going to get voted in office. Donald Trump's made his position clear on it. Nikki Haley has backed up her position to saying that we can all agree on banning at least late-term abortions and promoting adoption although they've watered down some of the other stuff, right? We need to get on the same page on this issue. Let's hope they can get their act together and some unborn lives can be protected. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see what happens there. A little bit of victory out of Florida, though, where Governor DeSantis is. Florida's Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles has eliminated the possibility of putting X on their licenses for gen gender. Did you hear about this? You're either male or you're female, right? That's my position. I don't care what people say. You are either a male or you're a female. You're born one or the other. So as the department uh, deputy executive director there said, he says, additionally, a driver's license is an identification document, he says. And as such, it serves as a critical role in assisting public and private entities in correctly establishing the identity of a person presenting the license. So permitting an individual to alter his or her license to reflect the an internal sense of gender role or identity, which is neither immutable nor objectively objectively verifiable, it undermines the purpose of an identification record, and it can frustrate the state's ability to enforce laws. It's bad, right? It's too bad, you know. Uh, you know, he had he had to state the obvious, but we see this also, and I don't have the data in front of me. I'll have to do a little bit of research on it, but I, I think even coming into the country now. Uh, you know, passports have the ability to to change gender. I never heard of anything so crazy, right? You, 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 you're either male or you're female, and it should be on your document. You know, you need a license to get on a plane to identify who you are. But now they're saying potentially that, you know, these migrants who come over can vote in certain states. They're pushing for that, and you don't need identification. Some migrants don't need identification to get on airplanes. We need to get this issue right, too. You know, we need to get, we need to get some clear, very objectively verifiable standards for forms of identification. And it's ridiculous that in the year 2024, we're even having this conversation, isn't it? I mean, I, I can't believe we're even at this particular point. You, you know what else is ridiculous? Maggie and I were talking about um, pension plans. We were talking about, I don't know if your company has a 401k or a 403b, but you might assume that they're going to, you know, be investing you would hope ethically and in, in, in a good, you know, good investment. Uh, there was a recent report from Future Union, and they found that public pension plans have invested more than $73 billion in China 
since 2020. And coming up in a few minutes, we're going to talk probably at the bottom of the hour here about China out to hack U.S. infrastructure. And I don't know if you're ready for that. I mean, I had a conversation with my own wife about it last night. What do you do if the power grid goes down, if 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 your communication systems fail, if water doesn't get pumped? You know, what do you do? How do you get a hold of your family? Where do you meet? Uh, we can talk about that coming up. Uh, so when I heard that $73 billion, $73 billion is being invested in China, reports said that 56 of 74 the largest American pension funds have put money into the Chinese market in that time period. And the report noted that the money has contributed to, listen to this, the technological advancement of China. Here's a little breakdown from NTD on how much American money has actually been invested in one of America's great foes right now. American public pension funds are pouring money into China. That's despite the federal government's efforts to curb investment that could advance the Chinese regime's military technology. A new report by a nonprofit Future Union reveals that over the past three years, 56 of the largest 74 American pension plans have invested a total of more than $68 billion into Chinese stocks. The nonprofit says that money can be used by the Chinese regime to boost its military and undermine the U.S. It's also possible that investors won't get their money back. That's if Beijing were to freeze the funds, given the current tensions between the U.S. and China. And as I said, yeah, so your pension funds could be frozen. But if there was an issue, let's say, over Taiwan and we went to blows with China, uh, who knows what it could mean. We'll talk about what... Uh, the FBI director, uh, Christopher Wray, testified before Congress regarding uh, the threat to American infrastructure and, and, and cyber warfare and how it's not going to just go after military bases, but it's going to go after the American people. So that, that's coming up in a little bit. We can talk more about that, but that's food for thought, so you may want to check where your, your money is going. Hey, I just saw a Gallup poll that has found that people's trust in various professions has fallen to an all-time low. And I was shocked when I saw the clergy was on that list. Priests, 30% perceive them as highly honest or ethical. They're only 32%, one out of three people. That That's, to me, stunning. That's really tragic. It goes back to where we were, uh, you know, what we were talking about before. This is, this is one of the great tactics of the evil one. Now, yeah, I've talked to you a little bit about the seal of confession in the past, Uh that story is coming to the fore once again. Here in the U.S., this longstanding legal standard, you know, where it's always been that the priest penitent privilege, and you know, whatever goes down in the confessional fundamentally stays in the confessional, cannot be broken, that seal's inviolable, priests will go to jail or even to their death rather than share what you confess. And even go to death, uh, you know, the, the penalty is, is excommunication if they were to break that for any reason. That can only be... Um, they can only be restored by the by the Pope. Uh, but ever since this clergy sexual abuse crisis, I, I think priests have, very good priests, unfortunately, have been sullied and vilified and swept up in these horrible misperceptions that so many people have. The priesthood is a noble vocation. And, and boy, what would our life be without our priests? 
You know, where would we be without the sacrament of reconciliation? But, you know, we live in a culture right now where politicians have mistaken this idea that priests know everything about everybody who enters the confessional box and they remember every confession. And if they hear something horrible, they should tell authorities about it, right? They think that your secret should be divulged, right? And I, and I understand that some of these things are horrible. A child that's being sexually abused, you know, you, you kind of want that person caught and, and, and brought to light. Right now, 45 states have priests listed as mandated reporters, meaning that if they hear about confession, you know, if somebody comes to confession and they hear about abuse of a, of a minor, they're required to report it to civic authorities. Now, let me just, again, react out. That will never happen, right? Six of those states require priests to break the seal. You know, that will never happen. I don't care what the state says. That will never happen. The Washington uh, yeah, Washington State was the latest to try to get such a bill passed. Um, the opposition was stopped in his tracks. Archbishop uh, Thomas Daly of uh, Spokane basically uh, said, hey, bishops and, and priests will go to jail rather than break that seal. Uh, I should say Spokane. It's Spokane, 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 Spokane. I can never say that right, Spokane. There you go. Thank you, Maggie. Maggie and Patrick, I got in my head. A producer <laughs> who was saying Spokane, another one saying Spokane, and that's how it's supposed to be said. That's how I always heard it. Anyway, the the the, the Senate, uh, the state senator there brought this bill back, new version of it, and, and I want to bring into the conversation Father Robert Gall to talk about what is now being presented and and just to give you some peace of mind. I want you to understand that even though you hear these stories about possible threats to the confessional. It'll never, never happen, and it's great to have Father Gold back with us. Yeah, he is the director of the Masters in Ecclesial Administration and Management at the Bush School of Business at the Catholic University of America. Father, great to talk with you. Good afternoon. I do likewise. It's great to to be with you on this show, and especially about this topic because the Sacrament of Confession is really one of the greatest gifts, along with the Holy Eucharist, that the Church has, and therefore that we priests have to be able to offer the sacrament and the absolution of sins is the greatest joy in the life of a priest. So let's talk about it. Uh, for those who are away from the faith, maybe those who don't even know, because we do have a lot of non-Catholics that listen to what happens in that sacrament of confession and how does, you know, what is the position of the church in terms of the absolute nature of the seal of confession? Right. So in the sacrament of confession, the, the penitent, so the one who has sinned, uh, brings uh, to Jesus, to God, who's being represented by the priest, so that we can touch the humanity of the priest. And so Jesus is represented by the priest, and the penitent comes in with their sins, and they present their sins, and they say they're sorry. So they accuse themselves of their sins, and they are, they are immediately forgiven by God, because God's mercy is so great that it's more powerful than any sin, no matter how terrible those sins are. And so that, that pardon, that absolution, comes through the priest, who says a prayer in the name of Jesus, in a similar fashion to how the priest says a prayer at Mass that transforms bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ, so that Jesus is really present at Mass. In a similar way, at confession, Jesus acts through the priest with this power that the priest has because of his ordination in order to not just remove the sin and forgive it, but then also to give grace so that the person, the penitent, uh, who receives the sacrament can also be, be better in the future and can avoid those sins. Now, that venue, that yeah. encounter between the sinner and the priest, and of course, priests are sinners too, and, and I go to confession every week, at least, I try to. But that encounter, that, that venue, is a, is, a, is a very special venue 
that the church has traditionally considered that it is the forum of God. Mm. It is a place in secret in which the sinner goes to talk to God. And therefore, it's a very special place that's protected in the church. It is inviolable. And therefore, there are these, these severe penalties if a priest, which happens extremely unusually, were to reveal uh, something about what took place in that conversation. That conversation very often in our parishes today take place in a confessional, which is a small room the size of a closet that has a screen in it. And this is really important to take into account because the church respects the right of anonymity for those who come for the sacrament of confession. And that anonymity needs to be protected. So this is one of the features of the just how wrongheaded this kind of legislation is, that very often a priest who receives a penitent, he doesn't know who the penitent is. And he might be able to guess, but very often he has no idea. And, and that's a right of the penitent to preserve that anonymity. There's, there, there's other features here, but, but Drew, I'm sure you, you, have, you have comments to make. No, I, I think it's great, uh, Father. It's important that you kind of lay those, those issues out. And I, I mean, some of the fundamentals, I hate to even ask you these types of questions, but just I want people to understand that, you know, priests will never do this, but uh, what are the consequences for a priest who violates the seal of confession? And there's been, you know, historical accounts of men, priests who've gone to their death rather than you know, reveal what's in the confession. And I know the penalty is excommunication, but what are the consequences for it? And, you know, also how does the Catholic church handle situations when somebody confesses a plan, you know, to they've confessed a sin that they've done that is pretty egregious, but maybe they even have this proclivity to want to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. These, these are, these are great uh, questions. The reason why it's so important to have good formation for priests, because we need, we need to be prepared for, a lot of issues. You also need to be prepared to help to explain the church, the teachings of the church with respect to just about every facet of morality, to help people to discern in their own conscience regarding what they've done, regarding issues that they might have in the future. And you mentioned the heroism of priests in the church who have defended the, the sacred character of the sacrament and therefore the anonymity and the secret of the, the sacrament. My, my favorite case, and he's very famous for this, is yeah. St. John Nepomucene who uh, lived in Prague, um, was in the Czech uh, king, the kingdom of, uh, of, of Czechia. And he, he was, uh, it was in a period in the church in which there was a schism. There were, there were two popes, and there was a conflict between him and the king. In addition, St. John, his priest, Father John, he was hearing the confession of the queen. And this was crucial regarding the whole controversy, because the king, whose name was Wenceslaus, but it's not St. Wenceslaus. Yeah. This, this King Wenceslaw, he was a successor to the St. Wenceslaw. He uh, was jealous about the queen, and he thought that the queen might be having an affair. So he, uh, under um, violence and threats of torture, he uh, told Father John, if you don't tell me what uh, the queen is telling you in confession, I'm going to torture you to death. Wow. And Father John said, well, bring it on. I'm never going to reveal anything about anything I hear in any confession. And he ended up being tortured and thrown off the bridge into the river in Prague. And that's, that's called the Charles Bridge and stands today. And it's a monument to the heroism of a priest and to the sacred character of the sacrament of confession. But this whole, his, this whole history, this story is especially relevant today because it shows how dangerous it is if the government, yeah. the state, yeah. tries to intervene in our conscience. And that's exactly what's going on in these attempts at legislation to force a priest to have to reveal what he heard in conscience, because that's a place in which the, the sinner is speaking only with God. 
And that needs to be protected in order to respect our individual freedom. But you ask what would happen, and it, it goes to the Vatican, but in fact, immediately the priest is excommunicated, which means he's in, um, it's called late sententia, that it, the, the, the verdict is communicated to him immediately by the law itself. So this is one of the most grievous uh, sins, most grievous penalties, because it's considered a crime under church law that all priests, of course, are, are aware of. And we, we respect it because we love the, the opportunity also to practice ourselves, to be able to bring our sins to confession and know that that's a secret between us and God. I, you know, I, I sit back and I see these, as I was mentioning, the numerous states that all have these these policies, this legislation, um, is it that they don't understand Catholic teaching, that they do this? Uh, I know they're probably trying to operate out of a place of, of good, but what happens if in the future we do see the intersection of the state trying to you know, force the church to, or a priest, to reveal something that, that has happened there? I think it's a really good point about how there is a misunderstanding here regarding the church. There's also a... I mean, it is called sociologically moral panic, but there is a kind of justification to it, a kind of justification to it, very limited. But the fact that the sexual abuse crisis did take place in the church, and there was a, a lack of prosecution of crimes by priests done by the church. And this is an attempt to sort of keep that from ever happening again. But in fact, canon law has been modified, and we have now in practice very strong measures in order to make sure that 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 kind of crisis never happens again, to make sure that, in fact, in fact uh, the, the the responsibility for reporting in the church is not through confession, but it's through what's called the external forum. So if we know, in fact, we're obliged by all kinds of laws in the church, anyone who's dealing with young people must bring through the external forum, not through the sacrament of confession, any kind of suspicion that anything like this could be taking pl- place, and any kind of uh, taking advantage of uh, right. of a youngster, and therefore the church will intervene immediately. So there is that perhaps desire to protect young people, uh, but you know why this focus on the church when most of the, the victims, in fact, of uh, sexual abuse that takes place in, in, not in the church, and certainly not today, but in public schools and oftentimes actually mostly within families themselves. And this is also an issue regarding families. So the, the church, and you asked this question before, that the priest, when he hears a confession, if he understands from the penitent that someone, a third person, might be in danger, yeah. he must instruct the, the sinner who's come to speak to him. He may have no idea who he is because on the other side of the screen, mm-hmm. he's come in secrecy, anonymity. And he must instruct him that how grievously he's obliged at times to report himself to seek help, but certainly not to continue in his sinful behavior. Yeah, well, Father, I'm grateful for for your insight um, and for some analysis on this. We'll continue to to look at this, and I, I pray that the states get it right. And I just want to express my gratitude to you and to all priests for for your yes and for this encounter where we meet Christ truly uh, in that sacrament. I've got to take a quick break here, though. Uh, stay with me. I'll be back with more right after this. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Sometimes it's the invisible threats that pose the biggest danger. Cyber threats to our critical infrastructure represent real-world threats 
to our physical safety. FBI Director Christopher Wray appearing before Congress Wednesday, sounding the alarm on China's hacking network and its infiltration of American infrastructure. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, that's a big story. And we're going to break it all down for you. Retired Lieutenant Colonel Tommy Waller is going to be stopping by. And this is something you need to know about. So you and your family can be safe. The Communist Chinese Party um, knows no boundaries. And this is a major, major concern. I want to play some more audio uh, from what went down last night for you as well. But if you missed this story, uh, two members, actually, of the Biden administration, told the House Select Committee on the basically on the Chinese Communist Party yesterday that uh, the cyber threats that we face from China are real and they're going after everything um, they're gonna they're going after they've got bots that are going to attack hundreds of US based small homes offices routers uh, you're talking about power grids you're talking about American infrastructure listen to what listen in fact listen to this warning from FBI director Christopher Ray on the threat that the CCP poses right now to our safety. Now, when I described the CCP as a threat to American safety a moment ago, I meant that quite literally. There has been far too little public focus on the fact that PRC hackers are targeting our critical infrastructure, our water treatment plants, our electrical grid, our oil and natural gas pipelines, our transportation systems, and the risk that poses to every American requires our attention now. China's hackers are positioning on American infrastructure in preparation to wreak havoc and cause real-world harm to American citizens and communities if and when China decides the time has come to strike. And China has made it very clear that they are going to reunify with reunify with Taiwan. They're going to do it peacefully or they're going to do it by force. So I think that's going to be a real moment uh, where, you know, the U.S. has got to decide how they're going to respond to that and what the response from China will be. I've invited retired Marine Corps Lieutenant Colonel Tommy Waller, who is the president and CEO of the Center for Security Policy, to join us today. You can check them out at centerforsecuritypolicy.org or securefreedom.org is a good way to check them out. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel, thank you for your time. Good to have you back. Hey, Drew, thank you for having me on, sir. So I am sure you heard uh, what the uh, what uh, Christopher Ray had to say the yeah, other director day. Director Ray. Yeah, uh, the FBI director said that in April that if you know he assigned all of his cyber experts to taking care of China, we'd be outnumbered 50 to 1. <laughs> 50 to 1. And then when I hear what they're targeting, uh, it, it gave me great, great pause. Give me your assessment. How do you, where are we right now in terms of uh, security and safety in the States? And why are we so outgunned right now by uh, our Chinese counterparts? Yeah, one word. It's called losing. We're losing the race, Drew. Um, you know, when you look at how we uh, faced other challenges in the past, uh, you know, the times that Americans uh, made amazing things happen, it was always a race, right? The Manhattan Project, it was a race to the nuclear bomb. Uh, you know, landing on the moon, the space race. Right now, uh, we're losing the race to China when it comes to uh, how and when the Chinese Communist Party decides that it wants to go kinetic, right? Whether it's Taiwan or as 
as Christopher Ray said, they can go kinetic here. Um, it's the, the oceans no longer protect us. And Drew, the thing is, is we've known about this for at least, it's been expressly known for at least 24 years. February 1999, with the, with the translation of, uh, of the Chinese unrestricted warfare doctrine, yeah. they spell it out exactly what they're doing now, what they've done, they spelled out 24 years ago. So it's about time uh, that we admit how, how much we're losing. It's a frightening thought. You, you know, when the, um, I think it was Jen uh, Easterly, the director of the Department of Homeland Security's cybersecurity arm, she said this. I want to share just a sentence with you because this is, this is frightening and the ramifications of this are pretty far-reaching. She says, this is a world where a major crisis halfway across the planet could well endanger the lives of Americans here at home through the disruption of pipelines, the severing of telecommunications, the pollution of our water facilities, the crippling of our transportation modes, all to ensure that they can incite societal panic and chaos and deter our ability. It wouldn't take long. If they took down our power grid, and I've talked about this a lot, I can't imagine cutting off communications or polluting water supplies. Uh, there would be sheer chaos from coast to coast in this country. Uh, is there a protocol? Is there something in place in the event something ever got to that point? Um, and, and what advice would you give to those who are listening about their own safety? Right. Yeah, well, nationally, there's not. I mean, there's there's no plan. Um, and, and this is something, Drew, that we've worked for years to try to wake the federal government up about. I mean, look, um, right now, the U.S. government is allowing the importation of Chinese manufactured transformers. Okay, during the Trump administration, it was discovered that at least one of these transformers manufactured in China had a hardware backdoor in it. Oh, wow. And so this resulted in President Trump passing an executive order May 1st, 2020, that was titled Securing the Bolt Power System. Okay, so not only is, is the People's Republic of China hacking constantly into all of our critical infrastructures, they're literally manufacturing as part of our supply chain very, very critical assets that we cannot go without. And so we had a presidential administration try to address that, okay? That's what that, that's what that executive order was meant to do. At the time, we had about 300 Chinese transformers. On the first day of the Biden administration, that executive order was suspended. It was never re-emplaced. We now have 433 Chinese transformers in the grid, and the only people tracking them are us on the outside of the government. And wow. so it's about time that – and this look, this is – we should say a prayer of thanks – for, you know, Congressman Mike Gallagher of yeah, Wisconsin, yeah. the oh, House yeah. Select Committee on the CCP. Yeah. I mean, why is it that they're coming up and testifying? Because yeah. they're being forced to. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. so to, to answer your question about what can people do, pray, yeah. prepare, Amen. and then they can join a, a national movement that we've started. I mean, I'm in D.C. right now and, and, and have just been on Capitol Hill all day, and I'd be happy to tell you what we're doing. People can join in. Well, please do. Look, I, I want to do my part. God's given me this beautiful platform to reach a lot of a uh, lot of hearts, a lot of minds. And you know, this stuff isn't always reported on. People don't, I think, understand the gravity of what could happen if there was a conflict like this. The FBI director said that look, they just don't hit our security and our economy. They target our freedoms, and they reach inside our borders. They reach across America. They want to silence and coerce and threaten our citizens and residents. So. Uh, you know, it's more than power grids going down. I mean, there's a lot at risk here. So any way that I can help you, uh, let me know and, and maybe explain what you are doing and where people can get more info and, and maybe be better informed sure. on this issue. 
Yeah, at least, and look, Drew, you're absolutely right. I mean, a, a wide open border, thousands of Chinese nationals moving through. It's not just the power grid, but with respect to at least that threat, mm-hmm. we are we are making a difference. We were uh, at the Capitol today with um, Dennis Quaid, you know, a celebrity sure. Dennis Quaid, who is the narrator of a film that was just launched called Grid Down, Power Up. It's a documentary. And we're starting a national movement right now to actually for once and you know once and for all to, to solve this problem of the fragility of our grid and so I would just ask your your listeners to you know obviously any amount of preparedness that they can have at the personal level to be ready uh, would, would be prudent uh, but to ask them to pray for this movement to join the movement um, and just pray for our nonprofit that's that's uh, behind it because that's that's really um, it's not the government that's leading right now. It's it's the people. And so griddownpowerup.com is the, the website for that uh, film. Uh, of course, ours is securefreedom.org. And, um, yeah, we very much appreciate the opportunity for uh, you guys to be praying for us. If you're just tuning in, I'm speaking today with retired Lieutenant Colonel Tommy Waller. Uh, you can check out securefreedom.org. It's the website to go to. Your organization has been sounding the alarm, uh, I know, on institutional investment in, in China. And I was talking about that in the open of my show today. I saw a, uh, several news stories about how many pension plans are investing in, in China right now. And they're, they're making technological advances that will be used ultimately against national, you know, U.S. security here. Um, why are people just picking up on this? And is anything going to change? Oh, absolutely, Drew. It's going to change. We're and we're leading that change. I'd love to get you uh, on with Christopher Holton, uh, who runs our state level operations. We have multiple states with forms of legislation passed at the state level to divest those pension plans out of CCP tied companies. We've got solutions for this, just like we do the just like we do the grid, Drew. So uh, we'd be happy to to connect you on that. So and let me just say real quick, because I know we got to sure. jump off the power of prayer. So we had a Amen. major VIP. VIP this morning, uh, who was supposed to be briefing, and his wife got sick, came out with fever. He was feeling terrible this morning. And look, on the Uber drive to the Capitol, we just all prayed together, like, you know, please, Lord, you can heal anybody. And it was just like a miracle. Like, he just was (laughs) able to, it was like, no, it looked all day. I I literally just dropped him off at the airport. That's great. Just dropped him off. We're talking about like a celebrity, right? And so, um, that was the power of prayer, and so it's real, and we just thank you for it. Yeah, you know, brother, I'm this, I feel the same way, I, and I say it all the time. When I hear these types of stories or see what the Biden administration is doing to advance the culture of, of death in this country, you know, prayer changes things. It mitigates things. It converts. Uh, it, you know, the impossible becomes possible, you know, when we turn to God. And I, I hope people, when they hear these stories, instead of having fear in their heart, you know, and, and don't fear. The, Our Lady had said in one of her very famous apparitions that the one who prays, does not fear the future. So I, I want to re-echo what you said. Let's pray. Let's pray for conversion. Let's pray for the for safety. Let's pray that we are not filled with, with fear and trepidation. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel, stay on the line for a minute. I have to take a short pause. When we come back, we'll pick it up and take a few calls. If you want to join us, the number to get in. And I only have retired uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tommy Waller with me for a few minutes. Uh, he's joining us from Washington, D.C. He's had a pretty busy day. Feel free to dial in at 888 888- 914-9149, taking a look at Chinese hackers who outnumber us 50 to 1, getting into our American systems, you know, everything from our, our, our power grid to our water supply should give every American pause. I'll be right back. Connecting you to the truths of your Catholic faith. 
The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. The Chaplet of Divine Mercy, coming up live. That's about 10 minutes or so away. We'll pray. Let's pray for our country. We'll pray for safety. We'll pray for your needs and intentions. It's a powerful time of prayer where we unite not only the radio, but over the internet and pray as a global community. We have people who join us from South Africa to to Asia, to Europe and all over. It's so great to pray together with with one another because we're all one family. If you're just joining me, we were talking about some really big news yesterday, disturbing news. Uh, The FBI director for Christopher Wray gave testimony and uh, before Congress, and he, he, he brought attention to the fact that we are facing a real threat from the Chinese, especially from their hackers. And it, it extends beyond traditional political military targets. Uh, it encompasses really a, a broad spectrum of civilian infrastructure. And, you know, you don't want to send a bomb off and kill innocent, right? They, they, you, you don't want them to be part of that type of collateral damage. If you were to take down our power grid, pollute our water supplies, knock off communication, the amount of death and chaos that we would see in this country is mind-boggling. I don't think you can even comprehend it. So this approach indicates that in the event of a conflict, attacks on civilian facilities are part of China's strategy. That's what they want to do. And, And Director Ray stressed that cyber threats from these activities pose real world threats. Uh, And, uh, you know, the question is, what are we going to do about it? You know, they're going to have a multifaceted approach. It makes China very dangerous. I've invited today uh, some for perspective for uh, retired Marine Corps Lieutenant Colonel Tommy Waller, who's now president and CEO of the Center for Security Policy. You can check him out at this website, securefreedom.org, securefreedom.org. Uh, this, you know, when, when I talk about this type of stuff, I don't want to instill fear in people. I know in the end, we, you know, we'll win the battle. Good always conquers evil. We've defeated communism, but China right now is a, is a major threat. Um, this Volt Typhoon operation, um, apparently our, our government has discovered it. Did you think there's other backdoors into our infrastructure or into some of the transistors that are being sent over or I mean, how in your own opinion, how safe or unsafe are we right now? And what's being done to, to remedy that? Yeah. So Drew, in terms of like, you know, how how we would judge our safety with respect to the Chinese communist party, just two points. The first is the CCP has murdered of its own citizens about 450 million humans. Okay. That there's, there's, 350 roughly uh, unborn children that have been slaughtered by the CCP with the one-child policy and well over 100 million that have been killed throughout the the CCP's existence. That evil regime, if it will do such destructive things to its own people, then we have to recognize that our own civilian populace, the most innocent among them, will absolutely be just as swiftly targeted. And secondly, as I mentioned in the beginning of the interview, it is doctrinal. This is part of their doctrine. I did send to Maggie, and she can probably post it up online or, or on your social media, a link to their publication, Unrestricted Warfare, and, and a section that spells this out. Uh, so it's, it's right there for us to see. What do we do about it? We have to treat it like it's real. We have to wake up and be, and be sober about it. Just like we need, you know, I mean, it's just like spiritual warfare, right? Yeah. Satan get a, can get away with as much as he wants when you don't think he exists. 
or you don't you don't realize how you know dangerous and destructive he is. Uh, once you do, and you're alert and awake to it, then you do battle, spiritual battle. We've got to be just as awake to the CCP. And part of the spiritual battle is praying for the conversions of souls, just like you mentioned before uh, about Our Lady coming to, to those people who are so blessed to get her guidance. That's where it ultimately it has to happen. The souls of our enemies need to be converted to Christ, and then we won't have to fight them. Yeah, I love that. I think it's so well said. If you want to join us, the number is 888 914 888-914-9149. And I'll go to your calls in, in just a minute. I'll take a, f- a few of them from you. But uh, just uh, just some final thoughts. Uh, you know, What are you doing personally to protect your family? Uh, you know, Should we be out getting water and food and, and having generators or having cash on hand. I mean, again, I don't think you can ever be sure. totally prepared, but you know, when I heard about the power grid yeah, I, and the water supplies and communications going down, it, it gave me pause. And I thought, okay, I want to be like the virgins and have oil in my lamp, right? I, I don't want to sit back and say, oh, that'll never happen. What do you do? What would you recommend to those who are listening? That's right. Well, look, I mean, we, we have precedent for you. Like you said, the oil in the lamp. I mean, look, at some point, Noah started building an ark, That's right? True. And so when we see that these indicators are there, I mean, everything is a spiritual battle, but, you know, for us to be able to wage it in a physical world, we have to be fed, clothed, uh, defended, right? And so when you ask that question about, you know, my family and I, uh, I mean, at our own house, you know, we, we keep months worth of, of uh, food, uh, long-term storage food and the things that we need to defend it. I've got three different ways to get water out of the ground, um, backup generators, but that's just at my home, right? But this is... It, we also have a community uh, through the church that has uh, additional preparations. And obviously I won't talk in detail about that on, on, the, on the radio, but that's really, I mean, to answer your question, as much as I'm sounding the alarm, I'm also preparing. But just let me say the one last thing on that. This topic does, it, it engenders fear, right? Fear doesn't come from God, right. uh, but prudence does. And so, but we need to remember what our founders our fa- the founders of this country had an infinite frontier to run to, right? You think about this, and you just want to kind of go get like a grid-down retreat site, you know, and be a total prepper, right? Yep. And I'm not saying anything wrong with that. No, I got you. But the founders of our country had an infinite frontier to run to, and they didn't. They turned, and they fought tyranny. We have got to fight tyranny, too. Yeah, amen. I could not agree more. Well, Lieutenant Colonel, I am really grateful for all that you do. If people want more info, what's the best place to go? Is it Secure Freedom? Do you want them to check out the documentary? I mean, what's the next step to be better educated and be better informed? Yeah, so so definitely check out the documentary. In fact, people, you you can find it on YouTube right now. Just type in Grid Down Power Up Documentary, and you'll see it's about an hour long. Uh, You can also go to griddownpowerup.com. Uh, where you watch the film, there's actually a tab on that site that will allow you to participate. So you can start sending letters to the people who are in, in a positions where they can t- make a difference. And then, you know, as far as, you know, personal preparation, um, w- we have a whole report that we did on food security. And that's one of the things I'd be happy to have another interview at some point about yeah, that issue good. of food security. Um, but uh, I want to say the site that we created, it's, it's at the back of our report on food security, but I want to say it's um, foodsecurity.solutions. And that's just kind of a start for how, to, you know, how do you look at this? Um, there's a lot of people out there trying to rip, rip you off when it comes to emergency things, right? And so we try to do the best that we can to, to make sure people are going to get the right truth yeah. and access to the facts. And yeah, so uh, I'm going to check that out. So again, the website if I, for food security, dot mm-hmm. solutions? That one was uh, food, yeah, food security dot solutions. It's, it's not sponsored by our organization necessarily, but okay. I just kind of created it on the side because cool. people kept asking, like, what do I do, you yeah, know? Cool. And 
that give, give, gives people access to some facts that they can uh, they can start the process of being prepared. Well, Lieutenant Colonel, thank you. You're welcome here anytime. I'm grateful for your time always, and I look forward to the next time you and I can talk. Definitely. I'm just grateful for y'all's prayers. I know you're about to do the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Yep. If you could, one of the one of the VIPs that was supposed to be there today, yep. uh, General Wes Clark, four-star general, he, he's got, he, he couldn't make it. He's got a family member who's suffering potentially life, life-threatening situations. So as you all and I don't even know the gentleman's name. It's just one of you know General Clark's family members. If you could yeah. uh, keep him in your prayer for the Divine Mercy Chapel. Well, I'll present that to our spiritual family in about five minutes here. So thank you. We'll pray for you too. Uh, again, thanks for taking time to join us. So good to talk to you. Awesome. Absolutely, Drew. That's retired. You uh, too, Lieutenant, as always. God bless you. That's retired uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tommy Waller. Check out securefreedom.org. And I'm just trying to put this before you. We're about to pray the chapel. And I think he's right. I mean, prayer changes things. And I know these headlines can leave us feeling overwhelmed, right, and anxious about tomorrow. Um, I, I just, I, I want you to have hope, and and I want to remind you what Our Lady said: the one who prays does not fear the future. So we're going to pray in a few minutes. Tell others to join us. Send out a tweet, a text, an email. Call them, invite them for whatever their intentions are. They might be fearing the cancer diagnosis or their finances or whatever it is. Let's not worry, okay? But rather, let's trust. Um, scripture tells us, right? Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will, will take care of itself. Each day is enough trouble of its own. You know, go to Matthew 6, 34. I mean, it's such a great verse. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Why? It's Look, it's a call to pre- and I, I, Maybe I'll talk about this tomorrow. It, this, I've been really meditating and focusing on the present moment. That's where we have to live. Live in this moment that God has given you. Do not be paralyzed by fear for what is to come. Uh, the future can seem like a dawning abyss filled with unknowns, right? And challenges and trials and all these horrors that could befall you, you know? Yet it's right with possibility, right? God is ever-present. Don't get caught in Satan's f- trap, that trap of fear, right? God is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He sees it all. He knows it all. You know, let's let's enter into that eternal embrace with him right now. Place your trust in God. Place your trust in God. Be not afraid. Do not fear. Surrender whatever trials and circumstances you have right now into the loving embrace of our merciful Savior. All right? God will provide for you. He'll never fail you. His timing is perfect. All things work together for the good. So let's pray right now. You can join me for the Chapel of Divine Mercy. We'll pray certainly for our country. We'll pray for those who persecute us and our enemies. 